Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. We are talking about the idea of God's church, God's structure, what God is doing in the earth today. So I want to talk about that from a perspective that has kind of been viewed and talked about almost exclusively among charismatic folks and people that don't necessarily have a charismatic perspective have these things in place, but it's more government perspective. It's more like church structure and not so much interaction with the Holy Spirit in the moment of working with Him. It's more like, okay, we have these doctrines, we have these principles, we're going to structure in an orderly way. But I want to look at that stuff also from a supernatural perspective, a perspective that God is alive, He is active, and He is actively building His church. Not a church, but the church. Say the church, which is all of us. No matter how hard we draw the denominational lines, no matter how much we call each other heretics, no matter how much we try to say, you're probably not saved, but my group is, maybe, I think I might be, I don't know. No matter how much of that comes into play, ultimately we have one Father. And that one Father has revealed Himself through Christ. Amen? There is one Father, one God, one Lord, one Spirit, one baptism, and He works all gifts through all people, all believers. You know, and that's what we walked through last week was the idea of that there's one Spirit who works His gifts through His people. The gifts meaning graces, because the word gift is the word charis. If you weren't here last week, I'm going to just kind of quickly jump through that. But the idea is that God is actively building a structure, an organization that's relational to represent Him in this planet. I don't think any of us really fully know what the ultimate expression of that church looks like. Like if, <clears throat> like if, if God were here in bodily form telling each and every single one of you what your assignment was and what He wanted you to do with your days, which He actually is doing that by His Spirit in your heart, and that's what I'm kind of wanting to breathe on and pour a little bit of water on that aspect of your heart is to yield to that leading of your part in His body. But think about this just for a minute. Just think about this. If God manifested on this planet in His current form, whatever that might be, and tells every single believer, every child of His, what to do with their days, what would that look like? Think about it. What would it look like? <clears throat> it looks different for different people, I can promise you that. And you have eight people give their opinions, and you got 12 different opinions. Some people would say, well, it looks like this. It looks like the church gets stronger and stronger and stronger and takes over government, takes over media, and takes over this and that and that, and <clears throat> reveals the kingdom. Well, maybe, partially. Part of it is we're going to suffer until the Antichrist kills us all, and then Jesus is going to come back and rescue a completely powerless church. Well, maybe some of that, you know. It's, I'm not trying to say there's not a truth, because there is a truth. There is a truth of what is happening with His church. But regardless of what the future looks like, your days 
can be spent responding to what he's leading you to do. And part of that is functioning within his church, the church, for a specific purpose. And a lot of times we're busy trying to figure out life or we're overburdened by our jobs or the decisions that we've made and we're not functioning in those roles. And a lot of times we're not functioning in those roles because a church either hasn't empowered us or a group of leaders kind of keep it for themselves and it's all this weird, weird stuff. And I want to talk about it in such a way where you, you have a confident perspective of what it looks like for you and you have a clear vision of how to fit in with whatever it is that God is calling you to be part of, whether it be an actual organized church setting, because, you know, I don't, I don't, like my first pastor kind of came out of this mentality that um, the ultimate expression of your Christianity means that you need to be like a pastor or have a church in some way or somehow need to formally be involved in serving within a church. Anybody come from that kind of background? Like you feel like you're not spiritual enough if you're not somehow in the ministry? Well, let me tell you, you're all in the ministry because you have the spirit of the living God in you speaking to you every day, all day. And your church, your mission field is right outside. You. Sometimes it's your bed, who you're sharing the bed with, if you know what I mean, your, your spouse your children. It starts there, absolutely. But to formalize it a little bit, and, and then also talking about the gifts, uh, which is going to be in the upcoming weeks, but I wanted to start with the structure. Now, and when you're teaching on this kind of stuff, sometimes you have to unteach so that you can teach. You know, I remember when we first started and I told, I think it was Ed Elliott I was having a conversation with, and I said, man, I kind of feel like I unteach a lot. And he said, well, you have to, especially in the South, People coming out of traditionalism and denominationalism, you have to unteach and kind of dismantle that performance-based construct and a lot of the control that we've seen within church to dismantle that, get people back to the foundation of Christ, the secret Christ in you, and then build on that foundation. You know, there are some churches, and I, you know, I have conversations with people. Let me just tell you, I have conversations with people that are in churches that when you start talking to them about their relationship with Jesus and being able to connect with Him and stand on the Word and His promises and experience peace within, His kingdom within, you know, all of these things that get kind of marginalized ideas like Jesus said, don't look for the kingdom out here, the kingdom of heaven is within. So then you look at understanding the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. He seals you. A lot of that is just doctrinal information for people, but it's not an active aspect of their Christianity. Like interacting with the Spirit of God for a lot of people in denominationalism and traditionalism, it's not an aspect that they're actually engaging. So in other words, a lot of people, Christians, do not know how to stop stand on the Word of God, and actually be empowered and find peace from the Spirit of God within. We pray for it, but then we go about living as if we're not actually needing it and yielding to it and living from it. Are you with me? I mean, maybe you're Christian. Mine is like that sometimes. It's like, okay, you know, I know the Spirit of God is here, but I have no clue how to connect in this moment. And so you stop, you know. 
I've learned the process of biblical meditation, slowing myself down, connecting to his presence, and, and, and actually being empowered. The problem with that is that's labeled in the charismatic realm, and we all know people that get really silly with that. Well, God told me this. Oh, yeah, well, why did he? I thought, but he told you that, that something else last week that's totally contradictory to what you're saying this week. You ever known anybody like that? You ever been like that? So then you have people that just, these whole denominations that just end up saying, we don't do that Holy Spirit stuff. The perfect is the Bible. Stick to the Bible. Yes, the Spirit's active. We don't really understand that, so we just kind of acknowledge it and let it be what it is. And, you know, God's doing His thing. He's sovereign in that. We'll let Him decide what He's doing there. But it goes deeper than that. You actually can interact with the Spirit of God. Not only can you, but you must because He is building His church. And part of Him building His church is leading you daily in the moment to function within that church, within that body, within that relational family organization to function toward the world. Now, this is not a series to help you identify whether you're an apostle, 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 prophets. Wait a minute, I'm starting to sound like Lauren, prophet. Sorry. All right, so here's where we're going. You have a place in God's body as he builds his church. And that can be creative. That can be unique. That can be non-traditional. <clears throat> and <clears throat> you, you really already have an idea of what it looks like. You are, and the problem is you are either not managing your life where you are available to function in that role. You're not functioning in it because you feel disqualified or you're riddled with guilt and shame from sin that there's no margin. There's like a hangover that you, that the hangover period of recovering from sin where you should be being built up in your identity in Christ to be functioning in that role that he wants you to be functioning within that body. We talked about that in men's night, the idea of hangover. Sin has a hangover. When you sin and you have that guilt and you have that shame, it takes you a little while before you get back to a sense of peace and all your emotions correct and you feel like you're, you know, actually saved again. That period of time, you can eliminate that hangover period, and that period can actually be used to reinforce and build, be, build yourself up in who you are in Him. So you are important. And... You know, we looked at last week that when he's talking about how the body fits together and the foot says to the ear, I don't belong, you don't get to say, I don't fit in. You don't get to say that because you do. If you feel like you don't fit in, either you're not in the right group or you're not in, you know, you, you might not fit in in that particular place, but you can fit in. You can make the decision, I'm going to function, I'm going to move forward in this role. So let's keep going here. Last week, we came to this idea of what I call the unknown healer. When I think about the gifts of the Spirit, and I think about God's you know, supernatural structure of how He's building His church, we're going to look at the fivefold, or as people call it that, but then also the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the actual gifts, prophecy, healing, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, in a way that is natural for you, that's not something that you have to try to do and try to become, 
but learn the language that God is already speaking through you to function within that role. See, because you, you naturally desire certain things. You naturally desire certain gifts because God has changed your nature and that new nature will desire what He wants to do through you. Now, a lot of times you don't trust it because you still think that you're evil and you think of yourself as that old dead man, but you are naturally desiring to function within God's body the way that He wants you to function. It's okay that you express those things, but maybe you just don't have the confidence because you don't know who you are in Christ in that area or you don't know what it looks like from the finished work perspective. So the unknown healer, when I think about the gifts and I think about miracles and all that stuff, I think about this guy here, and we talked about this. <clears throat> but this is, so this is Jesus gave the 12 power to go out and cast out devils and heal. This is before he sent the 70 out or the 72, depending on which book you read from. So here's this guy in the middle, after the 12, before the 70. And here's this guy. So again, before, so some people will say, well, he was just one of the 70. Well, this was before God or Jesus commissioned the 70. So it's important that we look, and I, I think we're given these things like this, you know, it's not, it's not an accident. Ultimately, the unknown healer is who? Take your finger like this and do like this. It's you. All right, let me tell you what I mean. So this is John. <clears throat> they've been out. They took the power that Jesus gave them. They've been out. They're casting out devils. They're healing people. And they come back to Jesus, and they're all excited that it's working. And then John says this. John, you know, the apostle that Jesus loved, as he describes himself. And that's not really a shot at him. <clears throat> I'm just trying to help us understand his mindset. The guy that should be inclusive, the guy that should say it's all about love, that does say that, has this attitude. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. Those, that phrase, he does not follow with us, is rampant in the body of Christ today. They don't read the Bible the way that we do. They don't see church doctrine and discipline the way that we do. They don't they have this wrong, or they have this wrong, or I don't see this in their life, and they didn't go through our school, and they didn't go through our training. They're unqualified. Whatever it is, we draw these lines, all rooted in this idea that came from John, is that he doesn't follow with us. Here's Jesus, gives his power to the 12, and here's some guy that takes this power and runs with it as well. And what does Jesus say? Don't Stop him. The one who is not against you is for you. <clears throat> wow. Say wow. Thank you. Now, I, I've meditated on this a lot. And med by meditate, I mean I just sit and think about it. That's all meditation is. You sit and think about it. Meditation is you think about something until it shifts your perspective or it shifts how you feel about a certain thing. You can meditate on the truth, and it will change you inwardly of how you see things and how you respond to life. You can meditate on a reality of God living within you and experience the empowerment of it. You meditate all the time. It's just worry, probably, is what it mostly looks like. You, you, you have an idea, a potential future in mind, and you think about it, and it develops emotions, 
and you are, you are changed by the time that you spend in the, in the emotional energy that you give to that potential future. And a lot of times it never even happens. But you can do that with the truth. You can meditate on God's Word. You can meditate on what it looks like for you to function in that role within the body. I don't mean just making stuff up, dreaming, you know, like fulfilling your own lusts and desires. I mean yielding to the influence of the Spirit of God with the natural spiritual desires that are going to come out of you as a recreated being in Christ, rooted in Scripture, which is a must, and come up with a concept of what it looks like for your future, and you move toward that. And the more that you feel it and believe it in this moment, the more you will gravitate in it and even attract things to you. So this idea, he doesn't follow with us. He didn't go to our school. He didn't go to our university. He didn't graduate from this. He hasn't had this apostle lay hands on him. Whatever. We need to quit drawing these lines. Amen? Now, there is a truth. There is a truth, and I think that's what God is trying to bring us all to. But our love for one another is what's going to help us actually find that. So... As an as so, so God will empower you with gifts as a member of his body. Amen? And again, we talked about that last week. Go back and look at it. So it's interesting how we've been brought back to Ephesians, you know, both kind of both Courtney and I, people say, well, I don't see prophecy happening in this church. I don't really see the gifts happening in this church. Well, you're not paying attention. Let me ask you this. Have I, have I ever said something? And you wondered, does he have a microphone in my house? Because a lot of people have told me that. That is a word of knowledge, maybe a word of wisdom, in the moment for you. I'm just not sucking the wind out of the room saying, thus saith the Lord, or trying to claim a high elite level of spiritualism. But sometimes I hear your thoughts. I do. Have I ever said something? And you're like, oh, I was just thinking about that. Now, is it me? No, it's not me. But I am participating. I am yielding to him in that moment. And I love it. That's why I'll say things and people say, well, can you repeat that? I'm like, I, I don't know what I just said. I'm not saying that God's taken me over, you know what I mean? But I am very comfortable in the role that I know that God has called me in. And I trust how God moves through me and I enjoy it. It's satisfying. And a lot of, but, but a lot of people bring their perspectives and their, his, their experiences and their baggage in and think that it needs to look a certain way and say, you should be this way. Well, if that's your mindset toward me, let's keep going. <clears throat> anyway, all right, so this is the idea of what we're talking about. You know, again, the overall idea is you have a place in God's body as he builds his church. Are you willing to take responsibility for it and function within it? Or are you still blaming your past? Are you still carrying around this baggage of sin? Are you so focused on debt and money? What, what is it that's robbing you from letting God inspire you in that moment? Because we have the either-or perspective. It's like, okay, well, once I get this taken care of, then I can do this. You're not going to. Start now. I'll, I'll say this too, when in the list of gifts, <clears throat> there's a li one of the things is gifts of generosity. If you want to start, or if you want to more deeply and accurately yield to how God is leading you, start with gifts of generosity. 
I'm telling you, that's, there's no greater way to be, teach your heart how to trust God than to give away some of your money. It makes no sense for you to give away a portion of your income, a fixed amount of your income. There's no magic number. There's no law that God says you have to. There's no curse if you don't. However, if you believe in the body and you believe in what God's doing and you believe in that team, you sow into it, but you sow into it to get the gospel out and also to till the garden of your heart to trust God. Amen? Not because if you give, God owes. People say, well, you can't outgive God. Well, I mean, you know, that's just made up. What, what does that even mean? You can't, you can't outgive God. Uh, anyway, this is first service. I need to stay on track here. All right, so <clears throat> here's the idea. <clears throat> Back to Ephesians, you know, Courtney and I have both kind of prophesied that this year is we're camping out in Ephesians, and we keep coming back to it. I didn't even realize it, honestly, until I was studying for this week, and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, there's that Ephesians. Back to Ephesians again, you know, and, and from this perspective. So, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. I pray that you learn how to make that simple truth a reality in your life. He is your peace, not financial security, not quitting that sin, not finding the right mate, He, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man. Now that's us. We are that one new man. The church. Not this church, but the church. You know, we might be a toenail in that or something like that. I don't know. We're the toenail church. <laughs> All right, there we go. You're listening. One new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, <clears throat> thereby killing the hostility. So, I already said this, but you don't get to say, I don't fit in. That's an excuse. You just don't know how you fit in, and you might not be comfortable expressing what God is doing through you because you think it doesn't look like what you have been taught it's supposed to look like. Make sense? All right. So now we're going to talk about God's plan. And this is what he's doing. He's actively building. He's actively calling people into their place. He's actively working. He's actively on this planet in the hearts of his people, putting people together, building teams, you know. On a local level, it looks like building a sound team, building a kids' church, building a youth ministry, calling people into uh, worship, and amongst the body, calling people up into the office of prophet, the office of teacher. All of that stuff is absolutely valid. But it's got to be in relationship, and it's got to be executed from the place of love, which I'm getting ahead of myself, but the gifts in love over the next couple of weeks is where we're going. So I'm basically just going to read. This is just kind of a Bible study here of what it looks like and why that structure is important, why we should value it and engage in it, keeping in mind it's not a hierarchical structure. No man, no woman is your spiritual authority. No man or woman is your spiritual covering. It doesn't exist. The Holy Spirit 
is your covering. The Holy Spirit is your anointing. You are subject to Him and Him alone. Now, we can be accountable to one another. We can be responsible amongst how we operate with each other. Now, let me, let me just say this. This is an unteaching moment. But I've heard it said that, okay, God is restoring the, the fivefold ministries, putting the, the apostles back at the top instead of the pastors at the top. Well, okay, whatever that means. And then he says, for what we're going through here is how I'm going to kind of correct that and put it in proper perspective. But I heard, I've heard some of you that have come out of charismatic type backgrounds that are heavily focused on the gifts, you've heard this kind of stuff taught. I'm going to set you free today. So it's taught... God's restoring that and is for the perfecting of the saints. The structure is for the perfecting of the saints. Then it says, Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride. Like, okay, those are two accurate. Those are two accurate things. Then they extrapolate, which means take from a truth and step one side off and start to create a new path. The extrapolation is... The truth is, Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride. The extrapolation is, He's not coming back until the bride is spotless. Have you ever heard that taught? Honestly, raise your hand if you've ever heard that taught. That He's not coming back until the bride is spotless. All right? So then it says, back over here to the restoration of the apostolic ministry that the, that the fivefold is for the perfecting of the saints. You marry those two ideas together and it looks like this. The fivefold is for the perfecting of the saints to make the bride spotless so that Jesus can come back. That should make you all throw up in your mouth a little bit. What makes the bride spotless? Jesus. Are you with me? It's really pretty simple, but it's pervasive in some circles, and they don't even question it. And then you ask people that are in those circles, do you realize that this is what you believe? And the double talk is strange. It sounds like a politician defending their system. And that's what happens in religion. We end up defending a system. We end up defending a church government. Back to my original idea before I distracted myself, I've talked to people that you talk to them about experiencing a relationship with Jesus and they have to filter that through the elders in their church first. It's like, well, I'm not sure what that means, but I know that my church says this. And our, our, our process is to go through our elders and our leaders and all of that. And it's like, what, so you can be controlled? I mean, what, so they can tell you what you're supposed to think? What? I mean, yes, submit to authority. Yes, engage in proper structure and process, but know that Jesus is your Lord, not some structure. Amen? All right. There's a lot to that, and some of you have been through that, and some of you haven't. If you've been through that, it's like, why didn't I know that? Why didn't I ever see that before? And then you get mad at them, but remember them is part of the body too. Amen? All right, let's keep going. God's plan, Ephesians. I found some cool 80s graphics. You like my 80s graphics? <laughs> this series has had four different schemes to it. All right, here we go. Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read basically the entire chapter and just kind of comment as we go. I, so 
this is after Paul teaches that what God is doing is building one new man. And then Ephesians 3, he goes to the idea of that you're a new creation. He again reemphasizes the gospel and he paints the picture of you as a believer should be empowered by the Spirit of God within so that you come to the fullness of Christ within you, essentially. That you would know the love of God and as you know that love, it brings wholeness to you. And so he kind of creates the model. Here's the gospel. Here's how a Christian lives under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's with his love that he brings wholeness to you, that you become full of Christ, not more holy or more righteous, but more mature, building up into a mature person within the body of Christ. This is ultimately why the fivefold, if you want to call it that, is in place, is to not perfect, meaning make the saints perfect, but to make them mature. All right, so let's keep going. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in manner worthy of the calling. Now, obviously, walk worthy of this calling that God has placed within you. Uh, Worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humanity and gentleness, with patience and bearing with one another. Now, see, when we talk about fivefold, we talk about the gifts, we want to get real spiritual with it, but it's this too. It's teaching people, quit judging. There's instruction. So your homework is read Ephesians 4 and 5 and take it personally. It's instruction to you of how to live a Christian life. It's not instruction of how to stay saved or get saved. That's secure in Christ. But it is instruction of how to yield to the Holy Spirit and that empowerment through His love bringing you to wholeness teaches you to live. All right. With all humanity and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What if Christians were eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? There'd be a lot of websites pulled down calling other people heretics. There's one body, one Spirit. Again, when he talks about, he's getting ready to talk about the fivefold, one body, one Spirit. Did the same thing when he was talking about the gifts or graces. One body, one spirit, one baptism, same spirit that works all in every one. The idea is there are not separate anointings. There's one anointing. But God will work different gifts through different people. Uh, The unity is, is what we should be seeking in the body of Christ. But we have yielded to the enemy and become divided. And we all do it. So there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, uh, it's weird that they translate the word grace here. In other places, they translate it gifts. Because ultimately, where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, it should say the same thing, grace. Now, the reason I make this distinction is this, because you've been taught, people have been taught that you have a prophetic anointing, you have an apostolic anointing, you have a healing anointing, and you have a feeler anointing, or whatever all that stuff is called. No, there's one anointing. God may call you to function as a prophet, working the grace of healing through you. And it's just, to me, it's just important to lay this structure. If, if you want to know my role, I value structure. I value a blueprint 
that everybody's understanding the bones of what we're working with here, and then you build within that. Are you, does that sound, I mean, does that make sense? It's apostolic. So, so grace, meaning the power that works in you was given to you in, in proportion to the measure of Christ's gift. The grace that you have is not some little bitty anointing, a partial anointing that you need to get stronger in through fasting or something like that. The grace that you have, the anointing that you have, the power that's in you is in proportion to Christ's gift. Christ is in you. In Christ dwelled the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So with you. In you dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Why? Because Christ is in you. Are you God? No. Are you going to become a God? No. Are you the Messiah? No. But you have God in you in equal proportion that He was in Christ. You're important to the body of Christ. Do not minimize who you are, what you are, and the role you have to play. It is important that you know your identity, that you know how your Father sees you, so that you will take responsibility and walk worthy of that calling. Amen? And I get it. It's challenging. It starts to make you feel like, well, I thought I was complete. I don't know I had to do all that. You don't. I mean, you are complete. You don't have to do anything. And the church can stay where it's at. Or we can function as God would lead us to function within this body and watch the church become the most effective power in the planet. All right. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? I'm actually writing a book about that one scripture. It's pretty powerful about what happened with Christ when he was in the grave. So let's keep going though. Ephesians 4.10, he who descended is the one who also ascended. Essentially, given his audience, what he's doing is he's framing who Jesus is to give authority and, and validity to the power that he has to set up his structure on this planet. Does that make sense? Like, it's like, why'd you put that in there, Paul? Well, it meant something to who he was writing it to because he needed to remind them of the preeminence of Christ as he's building his church. I, get, I realize this stuff is technical, but it's important to have the groundwork laid as we, as we begin to... Not, I don't want to use the word begin, but as we intentionally yield more to the gifts. All right, so, and he gave the apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds or pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. For why? This is why. Why is he doing that? so that we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Now, so what God is doing and the people that He's put in place in, in, in influence as influencers, we should be working the people toward this goal of attaining to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God. What does that mean? I'm not 100% sure, but I know it doesn't mean dividing. It's unifying. It's about Jesus. 
Does it mean that we all are going to be like the Jehovah's Witnesses and they send down our outline from command and we all preach the same thing every Sunday? No, I don't think. I think it's ridiculous to think that we're all going to be preaching the same exact thing because the body of Christ is creative. We're going to, we have different focuses. But maybe it means that we just draw together in Jesus. We can count one another as brothers and sisters. We quit the division, and we recognize we're in the same family, we're in the same body. And we, as we all know, families are the mis- most dysfunctional relationships on the planet. The body of Christ is the king of dysfunctional family. I mean, it just is. I hate to say that, and we laugh at it, but it's true. But what this is should be bringing us to tighter together. See, I mean, we overlook this stuff, but as we express our love, our meaning the church love toward one another, the end result, John 17, is it compels the world to believe that God sent Jesus into this earth. So as we fulfill this unity in the knowledge of the Son of God, we begin to fulfill that, that one of those last prayers of Christ and that we would, be, we would be one in Him. as One as He is with the Father, walking in love toward the world. Now, part of that walking in love toward the world is expressing the gifts as you go. And that's, it's all kind of coming together. So, so that we may lo- no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine. And, man, everybody, anyway, let's keep going. By human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, say grow up, in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body, including you, no matter what, including you, say including me, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I mean, don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part? Anyway, no, uh, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. And this is, so this is instruction. It's how to think about it. It's not just supernatural works and miracle signs and wonders. It's mature behavior. To become more righteous, to become more holy, no. To become more saved, no. To keep from losing your salvation, no. But so that you walk worthy of what you've been given in Christ. Working with His body to represent Him on this planet. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. I mean, I'm telling you, verse 18 is an entire discourse of being led by the Spirit from the heart as well. You know, there's so much in that. But they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth in Jesus, to put off your old self, and this goes back to the mind renewal aspect. He brings in mind renewal unto transformation, but He gives you a little bit of insight how to do it which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self. This is how you renew your mind. You put on the new self. It's not detached from you and you have to put it on to become it. 
You put it on in your mind because you already are it. It being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. One who is called. One who is filled with the Spirit of the living God. You put on that reality. And if you can do that when you're facing temptation and you're facing depression and you're facing fear, you put on that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you are delivered from the power of darkness and translated into His kingdom, man, I'm telling you, nothing can harm you. Nothing can take away your peace if you learn that process, putting on, and it it gives more detail. Put on the new man, which is created after the likeness of God. Those are such big statements. You have to take time to just sit and think about that. Make sure that it resonates with truth, right? Don't just make stuff up. But this new man that you're putting on, not to become, but that you are, in your mind you believe it, is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You are a new creature. Your nature is now like God in righteousness and holiness. The rest of this is a call in to live it because it's true. Because it's true. You confess it because it's true. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Again, be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Some instruction here. Let the thief, are you a thief? Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits an occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Just instruction here. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. As Christ forgave, in God forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you. <laughs> For those listening, I put up a slide that says, Grow up. Say, like, Grow up. Let's leave on this idea. God will teach you as you go. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.